May the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our minds be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Honor your father and your mother. Honor your father and your mother. Seems very simple, doesn't it? Respect their advice, even when it seems now to be irrelevant. Care for them in their dotage when it's a nuisance. Remember their birthdays. Remember their wedding anniversary. Remember them at Christmas. Send the little notes. Make the telephone calls. Give Dad the little mincemeat pies that he likes at Christmas. And you know the kind of apple tarts Mother liked. Do the little things that please them. Honor them. Respect them. It all seems so very, very simple. But in spite of the apparent simplicity, there are possible complications. And let me just remind you of at least one. Many decades ago, when I was a student in seminary, on Sunday mornings, we had responsibilities in our parish churches. But then on Sunday evenings, we were free to go to wherever we wanted. And this was in the days before Ed Sullivan, really. So people went to church on Sunday evenings. And we would go to various churches in Toronto to see how they did things. And one Sunday evening, we decided we would go to a very nice, beautiful church in North Toronto that we all really aspired to. And we went, beautiful church, greatest, greatest building, the liturgy to perfection. But it happened that they had a traveling preacher in there from somebody from England, I've forgotten who, we would describe him as an evangelist. And on that particular Sunday night, he was preaching on this text, honor your father and your mother. And so they brought in the young people from the various parishes roundabout, so they would have the full benefit of his eloquence. And he rang the changes on it. I mean, he did a beautiful job and he was really good. And we all sat there slinking down farther into our pews. We didn't remember birthdays or Christmas or anniversaries or telephone calls or writing notes and all the things that we hadn't done. And by the time he was finished, the group of us had enough guilt that you could have started a whole new denomination. I mean, we really felt bad. And we slunk out of that church, crawled into the car and set off back down to the school. Nobody said anything until after a few minutes, the driver said, you know, it's a beautiful church. The liturgy is very moving. And what can you say about the preacher? He's superb, isn't he? He's a rhetorician, first rate. He really got to me and he really would get to me if I could have taken that seriously. He said, I have a problem for you. When I was three years old and my brother was one, my father abandoned us. He left us with our mother. I wouldn't recognize my father if I ran across him today. As for my mother, she was an alcoholic and in short order, 
she abandoned us too, disappearing into kind of an alcohol and drug-induced fog. The province took care of the two of us and located us in a home for orphans looked after by nuns. And if I had a mother whom I could claim as a mother, it wouldn't be my natural mother. It would be one or more of these sisters in the home. What do you say? We don't know what to say, to be perfectly honest. We were all sufficiently young enough and inexperienced enough that we had no idea what to say. When the car got to the school, we all unloaded and went our separate ways, and that was that. A few years later, I was at Perkins School of Theology teaching an advanced Hebrew class. The students in the class picked selected passages they wanted to read from various parts of the Old Testament. And they were interested in a comparison of the Ten Commandments in Exodus and Deuteronomy, so that was part of what we did. And each class I would assign to one of them the responsibility for translating the text, for explicating it for the benefit of the rest of us. And in the class there was a young man from Nigeria. English was not his first language, and Hebrew certainly wasn't. But at the same time, he was very bright, and he was given the responsibility for translating this particular text. And when he had finished, he said to us, when you read this text, you think that your mother and your father, that that's referring to your natural parents, don't you? Well, we don't. My mother was a cousin of my mother's. When I left the village to go to the airport, she carried my bag on her head. The last person I remember seeing standing in the doorway of that airport as the plane taxied away was my, quote, mother waving me a tear-streaked goodbye with a little red bandana. She was my mother, and we think of her as mother because we think of any older person who makes a significant contribution to our lives as mother or father. And it struck me. Right on, I thought, right on, that's exactly right. That's exactly the way those Hebrew texts should be understood. Yes, those words refer to your natural parents, but... They also refer to any older person who makes a significant contribution to your life. Any older person who makes a significant contribution to my life is my mother or my father. So I had the students break up into little groups and talk about their various mothers and fathers. And while they were doing that, I was thinking about my mothers and fathers. Who were they? And then I remembered one of them quite specifically. A rotund little old lady whose name was Mrs. Loveless. During the war years, that is the Second World War, my mother worked for the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. And that meant that at intervals she'd be gone for a day or two. 
And my dad worked fairly late into the evening. And so when I came home from school, there'd be a note on, flapping on the door which would say, Bill, I'm not going to be home for dinner and your dad will pick you up, but you are to go to Mrs. Lovelace's. She's waiting for you. Well, I didn't object to that. Mrs. Lovelace was wonderful. Mrs. Lovelace had chocolate chip cookies. Mrs. Lovelace had a glass of milk. And if I had to stay for, quote, dinner, it was usually some kind of delicious sandwich that she had made just for me alone. And then, and this was the real magic of it, she had the Br'er Rabbit stories. And she read the Br'er Rabbit stories to me, and then she told them to me. And then she would ask me to retell them to her. And when we were finished with Br'er Rabbit, she would turn to the Bible. She loved the stories in Genesis. She told them to me over and over again, and then she would get me to tell them back to her. That's where I learned to love them. And I suppose, in a real sense, that's where I learned to tell them. And I thought, well, I think tonight, I don't think I ever thanked Mrs. Lovelace for all the things she did for me. I think I'm going to phone her. I'll call home, find out what her telephone number is from my sister, and then I'll call her. So I phoned home and I said, Hope, and I went through the whole business that I've just described for you. Where's Mrs. Lovelace? Do you know what her telephone number is? I want to tell her how much I appreciated the, the things that she did for me. There's silence. Bill, when was Mrs. Lovelace giving you those chocolate chip cookies and telling you those stories from the Old Testament? Oh, I, I, it was probably 1943, maybe. How old do you think Mrs. Lovelace was? I don't know. She was. She had gray hair. I don't know how old she was. Well, give me a guess. How old do you think she was? Well, she was probably in her 60s. Now, how long ago was that? Well, it's 1964 now, so this is 20 years ago. And she was in her 60s, and it's 20 years. Where do you think she is? And what do you think the telephone number is? Too late. Too late. I felt very bad about my own shortcomings, about my failure to thank her properly, about my failure to honor her. And then the more I thought about it, the more it dawned on me that I had, in fact, honored her without realizing it. Because all of my life has been dedicated to the study and to the telling of those stories with which, once upon a time, she regaled me. And above all, I can remember these words, which were among the very last <clears throat> that she said to me. Bill, when you tell those stories, Tell them as though you really mean it.
Tell the story as though it's really important to you. Those are words I remember from 75 years ago. In many ways, Mrs. Loveless produced me. She birthed me. And without knowing it and without acknowledging it, I was her child and I am. And I demonstrated in my devotion to the stories that she loved and with them, I did honor her. But what about you? What about you? Who were your parents? Who were those older people in one way or another with whom you had life-changing experiences, who made life-changing contributions to you? This afternoon when you go home, I would encourage you to spend a few moments remembering them. If they're still alive, call them, thank them. If they're not, then remember them by emulating them in your life, whoever they were, wherever they are. Honor them by remembering them that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God has given you. Amen.